0: Welcome to First Reading, the Old Testament lectionary podcast that will someday get back to the Old Testament readings. I'm Tim McNinch.
1: And I'm Rachel Wren. Yes, and that someday is actually next week when the Revised Common Lectionary goes back to having actual Old Testament readings in the first reading slot. So that means this week, we are concluding our series discussing the Old Testament resonances in the New Testament readings. And Tim is gonna wrap us up with a look at the epistle for May 23rd, which is Pentecost Sunday. Happy Pentecost, Tim. Oh,
0: well, thanks. As you know, Pentecost in the Christian tradition celebrates the giving of the Holy Spirit to God's people. And the epistle reading this week is a Holy Spirit text, Romans 8, 22 to 27.
1: That's such a good one. I Do you know, actually, Romans 8 is actually one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible, one of my favorite Bible texts. So Wait, this is awesome.
0: out, of, out of all the chapters that are your favorites, this is one of those, huh?
1: It is one of them. Yes, I know. It's high <laughs> praise, right? <laughs>
0: yes. Well, Romans 8 is especially beloved by you Lutherans. Yeah. <laughs> As a matter of fact, our lectionary excerpt is the section that comes right before the very famous Romans 8:28. We know that all things work together for the good, for those who love God. And then that, that whole like poetic ode about God's predestining of us to become like Jesus. Those are verses that get good Calvinists excited.
1: Oh, exactly. And then you get into 31 to 39. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who could be against us? I'll stop here. But this is a great chapter.
0: (laughs) Yes, yes. Anyway, uh, for this week, we're looking at the handful of verses that come right before all that. As Paul sets the context for that outburst of praise to God's sovereignty by acknowledging the struggles and the suffering of Christians and the sort of cognitive dissonance that That suffering causes for a people who preach that through Jesus we're saved from the deterioration of sin and made glorious with God. Mm -hmm. Paul argues here that suffering, while a part of embodied life here on earth, is temporary and that the glory that we will one day receive is not even worth comparing to the suffering that we now experience. Mm -hmm. Paul frames this in terms of hope, an eager expectation of healing, restoration, and indeed resurrection with Christ. And how do we know that that's going to happen? Because God is sovereign in what God purposes. God sees to fulfillment. That's the whole point of all that predestination language in 828 through 30. When God predestines, God also calls. God also justifies. God also glorifies.
1: Mm, yeah. It's so good. It, I mean, and cognitive dissonance is such a great way to talk about this text of the 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 what we experience here on earth not matching what we believe God is about in our lives. And Paul, I mean, it's fascinating that Paul has to wrestle with that and 2000 plus years later, we are too. Still. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, so great text. But what did you what did you um kind of dig up for significant Old Testament resonances in Paul's language? Mm. See anything?
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Paul is so immersed in his Bible that I don't think he could write anything Hmm. without drawing upon biblical ideas and themes. Hmm. And one text that comes up a bunch in Paul and is clearly in the background here is the beginning of Genesis, especially Hmm. Genesis 3. In that chapter, the disobedience of the first humans brings a curse upon the whole creation, the kind of slavery to decay and death. Hmm. And here in Romans 8, Paul links back to that curse. By saying in verses 19 to 21, The whole creation waits breathless with anticipation for the revelation of God's children. Mm. Creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice. It was the choice of the one who subjected it. But in the hope that the creation itself will be set free from slavery to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of God's children. Mm. Paul's saying that from that time up until now, the creation has been groaning like a woman in labor. And of course, labor pains are also a part of the picture in Genesis 3, right? Being Mm -hmm. the specific curse that's laid upon the woman, Eve. Mm -hmm. And Paul, who gleefully mixes metaphors, takes this childbirth metaphor and runs with it. Christians, too, says Paul, groan with creation in our own labor pains, the mm. suffering that we all go through as we wait for the redemption of our bodies, by which Paul means our resurrection.
1: Mm. One of the reasons that this is one of my favorite texts is actually Luther's commentary on uh, Romans, this part right here. He goes way, he takes way liberties with the text. And instead of translating it as creation groans with eager long- longing, mm-hmm. he translates it as the creature groans with eager longing. And he he personalizes it. He brings it to this moment about all of us having a creature inside that is just groaning and waiting for Christ for, to be found by Christ. And mm. it, it's it's not where the text wants to go, but it's this beautiful kind of step away from it and sort of implication of the text too that deep groaning and longing that all of us experience in our lives.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, and what the text does do is connect the longing of creation with our own longings so that Mm -hmm. this is a great text to show kind of our participation as part of creation, Yeah, that just as the whole creation is longing for redemption, we participate in that in our own sufferings and longings.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So in a way, the, the suffering that we're experiencing in this life is part of the pain that the whole creation experiences together in its fallen state. Mm-hmm. And yet, and here Paul keeps pushing that childbirth metaphor.
1: Oh, pushing. Good one, Tim.
0: Yeah. Labor <laughs> pains lead to the glory of new birth. In Paul's logic, if you're experiencing suffering now, it's a sure thing that resurrection is on its way, just as labor is the sign of impending birth. Mm. This gives a rather graphic sense to Paul's statement that the whole creation waits breathless with anticipation for the revealing of God's children. Mm. I've been there at three births, and I know that sense of anticipation during labor, waiting eagerly for a child to be revealed. Mm. And when this hidden person finally crowns into the light, glory is probably an appropriate word to describe that moment. Mm. And if I can join Paul in his rather male evaluation of it, the suffering of labor is not even worth comparing to the glory of the revelation of the child. Of course, mothers might state this a little bit differently.
1: I just get a kick when men talk about labor. It's fantastic. I know. You're not not wrong. It's just always funny to hear.
0: (laughs) Yes, acknowledged. (laughs) In uh, in verse twenty six, Paul shifts to talk about prayer and about the Spirit, which is why this ends up being a Pentecost text. Mm. But the childbirth metaphor doesn't get left behind. Just as all creation groans as in labor, just as we who suffer groan, so also the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with um, what it says in the Greek unutterable groans mm. as a way of helping us in our weakness. Mm. This is an image of the Holy Spirit as a midwife, mm. groaning with us and for us, helping us in our weakness as we suffer toward new life. Wow, The image of God as a midwife is one that does come up a few times in the Hebrew Bible, most notably in Psalm 22, 9 to 10, Psalm 71, 6, and in Isaiah 66, 7 9. I just give you those references. You can take a look at those. I'm not going to spend time in them. But um, I also want to point out, Juliana Klaassen has a great chapter all about this metaphor, this theme in the Hebrew Bible in her book, Mourner, Mother, Midwife, Reimagining God's Delivering Presence in the Old Testament. I highly recommend that book to all of you out there.
1: Oh, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm going to go buy it right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's a great one. Now, usually I hear this paragraph about the spirit in Romans eight analyzed in a sort of pedagogical sense. We don't know how to pray. So the Mm -hmm. spirit teaches us through groans or sighs beyond words. In the sort of Pentecostal-ish charismatic church that I grew up in, we associated this passage with speaking in tongues, which which is a great tie to Pentecost and the gift of the spirit in Acts two with those those groans that are beyond intelligible words. Mm -hmm. And while all of that's great, I actually think this image of the spirit as a midwife is probably the most powerful rendering of the bunch of these ways of interpreting. Mm -hmm. And it really fits with the context of Paul's discussion in the whole chapter of suffering as a prelude to glory. Mm. Here, the spirit comes alongside us in our traumatic labor and groans with us, helping us as we push, push, push toward Mm. the life to come our revelation as children of God. I know that's mixing the image of us as the mother and then us as the birth child, but, you know, Paul's famous for mixing metaphors. It's
1: funny, Tim, I've, I've thought about and talked about this verse so many times. I had never linked it to the Holy Spirit as midwife. That image just preaches in a moment when we are experiencing, you know, shared global trauma.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, when we read it that way, we're all Eve right? Yeah. We're we're all suffering in this broken world, a world that we've helped break. Mm. But God through the spirit has come alongside us to see us through to new life. Mm. Yeah, I think, I mean, Paul's audience in that first generation of Christians in Rome may have assumed that latching onto Jesus would mean an escape from suffering.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: But Paul's teaching them that the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost wasn't a rapture, not a ticket out of this place. Instead, the Spirit came to help us in our weakness, to be a comforter, an advocate, a midwife, even. Mm -hmm. New life is surely ahead. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ, Paul says just a few verses later. But now in our labor, God is with us, groaning with us, laboring with us. I think that's really a hopeful message.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I really like how you talked about kind of the one side of the ditch that, like, you know, believing in Christ is a ticket out of suffering. I feel like the other ditch that I hear often in Christian circles today is sort of a romanticization of suffering. That mm. suffering is God's way of teaching us something of um not even necessarily punishing us anymore, but just like, you know, God will not give you more than you can handle, to be a Christian is to suffer. And I I think there's there's truth in that, but it can get taken to places where it's no longer relevant, especially if you're thinking of like unhealthy relationships, um, or abusive marriages or that sort of thing. So how might you counsel preachers on avoiding that side of the ditch?
0: Yeah, I think, I think Paul gives it to us in this chapter, uh, his way of talking about suffering acknowledges the reality of it. That it's something that we're going through together and it's a part mm-hmm. of life and it's a, in a way inescapable. However, that doesn't mean that it's good. <laughs> hmm. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. His, he's still focused on the glory to come. Yeah, he's got that sort of uh, eschatological sense of of keeping your eyes on the prize, that the the resurrection is coming. And that's mm-hmm. that's the ultimate fulfillment of what Jesus has done for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the suffering that you're going through now is a reality, but God is with you in it. And I think mm-hmm. that's the that's the hopeful message that that Paul gives.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, I think that keeping your eyes focused on that midwife imagery is so helpful too, because I think, I do think there are certain kinds of suffering that lead to new life and new strength. And I think there are certain kinds of suffering that do not lead to new life and Mm -hmm. abuse would be one of those. So differentiating suffering would be a helpful thing as well. Oh, this is beautiful. This is so good, Tim. I just, I'm going to have to chew on this idea of the Holy Spirit as midwife at this moment. Um. I love that you brought that up. I love that you brought up uh, Juliana Clausen's books. I literally bought it while you were talking, so sorry <laughs> if I was distracted for a second there. The other thing I would recommend to folks, too, is there's a delightful little article by Claudia Bergman, B-E-R-G-M-A-N-N. It's titled, Like a Warrior and Like a Woman Giving Birth expressing divine imminence and transcendence in Isaiah 42. And she just has this really interesting, beautiful point that of all the male characters in the Hebrew Bible that are said to be in labor, it is only God who ever produces birth out mm. of that labor mm. when it's a male character said to be. Um, so I think that that just ties in what you said, you know, with this whole image of God um, laboring with us that, that we might feel like we might not be able to bring forth the new life, but God can through us. So, ah, awesome. Very good. Well, folks, I hope you, you preach this text. Um, I hope you take this angle with it. This is going to be some beautiful sermons. If you do so, let us know, send us a message on Facebook or, um, Leave a comment on our website. We would love to hear about how this stuff is actually going out and giving birth into the world, if you will. So uh, drop us a line and let us know. If you liked this, please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or check out our past episodes on our website. And uh, if you really liked it, like you found it helpful, shoot, tell one person about it. Maybe just send it along to one friend or your mom or something like that. Give us us a (laughs) shout out to your mom. All that to say, thanks so much for listening, and we will talk to you again next time. I'm Rachel Wren.
0: And I'm Tim McNinch. Happy Pentecost, everyone.